Hello and welcome to another edition of Heart of Healthcare. My name is Dr. Jan Bonifer and these podcasts are about helping physicians restore balance in their lives so we can recreate a medical system that benefits everyone. A quick reminder to you, you can find more information about our non-profit heart-based medicine and the work we do to support healthcare professionals at heartbasedmedicine.org. Welcome to the Heart of Healthcare podcast series one, episode six, where we're asking, do women naturally make better healthcare professionals? Men still dominate the higher levels of the medical profession. And we ask, what can be done to facilitate change and empower women within the medical profession? Please allow me to introduce my friends, Professor Kavita Chinayan and Dr. Daniel Zinnenberg. Professor Kavita is cardiologist and associate professor of medicine at Auckland University in Michigan, and she's an author of prize-winning books, including The Heart of Wellness, combining her expertise in cardiology with time-honored Eastern teachings. She's a renowned speaker on physician burnout and the role of power of women in healthcare and an evolving human global culture. Hello and welcome, Kavita. Thank you so much for having me here again, Jan. Welcome. And Dr. Daniel Dinnenberg, original physician at One Medical and specialized in functional medicine with double board certification in family medicine and integrative holistic medicine. His life path is to shift the perception of healing and unlock the innate physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual growth of patients and healthcare professionals alike. Welcome, Dan. Thank you so much, Jan. Pleasure and honor to be here. Hi, Kavita. Wonderful hi, to be with hi. you today. <laughs> Good to see you too. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for joining again today. And let's just dive right into the questions that we have with us. And the first one that I'd like to start out with, Kavita, and maybe I may direct this question to you to start off, is whether you think that women intrinsically make better healthcare professionals. Well, I don't know if women make better healthcare professionals, but uh, I think women make as good, uh, you know, healthcare professionals as men. Um, I don't think there is a better or a worse among the genders. And I think it is more a, a question of how we bring ourselves into the field of medicine. And it differs by gender and necessarily it differs by who we are in our social and cultural setup. And we bring that into our practice of medicine. So we, may, we are different, but not better. And what in your experience from your own observations and also from observing your colleagues, what would you say, what do you observe as fundamental differences? You know, I would like to say that, um, you know, th there is a fundamental difference in the way uh, men and women practice medicine. Um, However, that, uh, that difference has been attenuated by the very uh, system of medical training, which is highly patriarchal. And so 
you know, when women come into uh, the medical field, and I'm, by the way, I'm speaking in generic terms, and it's never so generalized, and there are always exceptions to every rule. But in general, what happens is when we come into medical training, we are trained in the patriarchal system, and we imbibe that. And what we do is we we end up learning to practice medicine the way we have been taught, which is the way men do it. Because the difference, the inherent difference between the genders is not evident, it's not encouraged. Um, I, I would say it is not encouraged because of the ignorance that is there in even amongst women about what it is to be women in medicine. And so we are so busy competing with um, each other and with men that we kind of lose the essence of how, how we can bring something so beautifully different than men into the field. It is part of our acculturation, isn't it? So it is part of the, the history, if you like, our medical history, at least the, the recent history. If we only go back a few hundred years, and kind of if we take that as kind of the most recent evolutionary um, swell almost um, in medicine. Yeah. And we consider that women like Maria Montessori, who um, lived a little bit more than 100 years ago, was one of the first women entering allowed into the anatomy rooms. And she had to be, you know, the last one and she was penalized and pressured like in a ridiculous kind of way as she was not allowed to be there with and learn and study together with her male colleagues. And she was the only woman back then. So just 100 years back, that's just yeah. a mere three generations that it, it was we were in a completely different position. So this is the patriarchal system that you're talking about. This is kind of the the. <laughs> The, fertile, the, the, the very non-fertile ground from which this has come. So, yeah, what absolutely. Is, yeah, go ahead. And, um, you know, it is that way, actually, in several fields even now. Hmm. Um, for instance, I'm a cardiologist. And uh, if you look at interventional cardiology or electrophysiology, um, women in these uh, subspecialized fields are called unicorns because they're so rare. Um, and um, so that is just in, in these procedure-oriented uh, fields. But then there are also other surgical fields, for instance, where you know there is really no encouragement for women per se. And um, if women do succeed, it's because they are persistent and they have to really, what I have found in my own career is that I've had to work twice as hard to prove myself um, compared to my male colleagues, or at least that was my perception. And um, to to kind of be on the same level as, as them. And this is, we see actually in clinical medicine, in academic medicine, in terms of tenure and, and getting promotions and being supported to become, uh, you know, to rise up the academic, um, you know, kind of ladder, getting grants. And numerous studies in every area have shown this to be true. So what is the, what is the key lesson to learn? I guess we, we now see that when we look at schools, 
when we look at, you know, starting from, from, from primary schools, we see that women consistently make better results in the current system. I think this is pretty much across the board. At least there, there's, there's always kind of on average, women are leading the, the leaderboards. <laughs> and so we're also learning that there is another approach I'll just phrase it very generously and I'll ask you to, to fill in. There's a, there's a fundamentally different approach to health care um, and to thinking about health care and to being a health care provider, both parts, that are kind of fundamentally different. And we're now learning over the last hundred years as a, as a healthcare professional community how valuable this is and how much added value women bring as they're struggling their way into this. Why is it that a hundred years later, this is still a struggle for women? Why is that lesson not learned yet? See, I think, and I would be really interested in, in what Dan thinks as well, but, you know, what it is, I think, it any bias in medicine comes from you know, the bias we bring in from outside of medicine, right? And if you look at, for instance, the uh, majority of childcare responsibilities, right? They are, they fall on women. So in every, in, in generally in society, right? It, it has been this way for centuries. And it's, even when, you know, it's not an expectation from the men in our lives, we kind of pressurize ourselves to be the perfect mother and then the perfect wife, which is really an enormous pressure to take on in addition to being, you know, a doctor and a healthcare provider. And something has got to give in that. And so a lot of women choose specialties within medicine or choose fields where they feel like they can have the cake and eat it too, because there is simply not the support, you know, there isn't the support in in society for women to go pursue their dreams, right? Because it's, it's not set up that way. So it's, it's a, it's, again, it's not a medical problem per se, it's a societal problem. It's a cultural problem. And this problem can't be solved in medicine unless, you know, there is equity in society for the, the whole spectrum of genders, I would say, because, you know, whatever we are and whoever we are, one of the things that I say, to, you know, to a lot of women to really think about is that equality is not about sameness, mm. whether is it it is about race or gender or any other kind of difference. You and I don't have to look the same in order to be equal. We don't have to have the same, you know, physical characteristics to be equal. You know, we can, we can be different and still be equals. And I think this is something that is really difficult for us, you know, who are very linearly oriented to wrap our heads around. And, and come to this conclusion that actually, I don't have to compete with men to be a good doctor. Mm. I'm a good doctor myself. Mm. And I don't have to compete with other women either, because I only need to compete with myself, mm -hmm. right? 
And um, so these are, I think, fundamental issues that that are societal and cultural and and, you know, that go across the board of what we consider good and bad and morality and and so on and so forth. It just uh, we put ourselves in a bind a lot of times. Yeah. So, wow. So you're, you're really highlighting the the transformation, the inner transformation and realization in terms of role and and sense of self that yes. that every woman in healthcare and and in other domains for that matter um, is has the opportunity to to undertake. Um, so let me turn to to Dan. Um, you are um, both a healthcare professional as well as a father and a partner. <laughs> So what do you see as the possibilities to further this learning process and to really kind of fuel this transformation of men and women together towards this equality that Kavita is talking about? Thank you, Jan. I love listening to Kavita talk about this subject because it's almost like if we keep going here, not only can we solve issues in medicine, but we can solve issues in society as well, because it's so unbelievably important to think about what's talking about. The equality is not about sameness, is such an important concept. And as you're asking me this question, I think what we've created is a systematic approach to what a physician needs to look like in our current society. And because of that, we actually are creating sort of imbalance, mm-hmm. right? You're creating imbalance. And ultimately, you're asking me as a father and a husband and um, a physician and a friend and all of this. Yes, what happens is, you know, a lot of time it's an identity. And anybody that's ever been in relationship with a physician knows this really well, where sometimes it feels like patients come first. And at the end of the day, there's like, oh, well, I have to do this. I have to chart. I'd have to do, you know, and it's all these things that supposedly supersede what actually is almost, well, I will say is more important for the energetic, regenerative feeling of being a wonderful physician. And so I love I love the conversation and what we're talking about. I think one thing to really bring up, though, is, you know, you started the conversation with, you know, ultimately looking at sort of are women better kavita i love your pivot and you're like hey look we could be the you know we don't there's not better what i'd love to bring into that conversation though is that is it gender or is it also sort of a feminine masculine because there is an aspect of that i think that what kavita has shared so eloquently is that And again, this is a generalization, but the women that have, quote unquote, succeeded and made it in medicine have been persistent beyond measure, have shown themselves above and beyond, and so have actually tapped into a much more masculine, like Mm -hmm. crushing your adversary's style of medicine because they've shown up and they've done better in grades and without a doubt, without actually, you know, it's not even have to be marginal or a tie. You have to actually show that you actually do better than your colleagues, your male colleagues. And so ultimately what they're doing though is you're bringing in systematically a masculine energy 
out of the feminine. And it's really funny because here I am and, you know, kind of, you know, a masculine creature, you know, gender male. And I actually have had so much support. So I'm able to communicate and bring that. And what I find the most important part of the medicine that I get to create is co-creation, is communication, is, you know, holding space so that, you know, that the what's really going on, the meaning and the purpose and the joy and the narrative of the patient comes into the room, comes into the, to the connection. And I bring that up because that's a sacred feminine. That's a divine feminine of bringing that into the conversation. And so I've been allowed because of the support of my wife and my kids and society to basically be held so that I could be a physician and create that. And so your question is, how do we do it the other way? Well, it's support. It's allowing, you know, ultimately, you know, if women are succeeding in medicine, then we have to step up. And as partners, we have to take care of the kids. We have to do the things that need to be done. So the person has support so they could become balanced in their own right. And they don't have to kind of just bring in one energy or the other. And I think that when most of us feel really balanced, it's inhale and exhale, it's ebb and flow, it's masculine and feminine, and it's allowing sort of, you know, the work week and then family time and connection and love and friendship. And so all of that should be allowed in to each and every one of us. And ultimately, it takes systematic changes, both in society and in medicine and in the patriarchal way and the systematic way that we've set things up in order to, as Kavita said, allow us unicorns to start to flourish. It flourish from the masculine side and from the feminine side and just to take over medicine and so that we could be, and then all of a sudden you'll see healthcare changing because ultimately it will be about the connection about humanness and not about sort of an egoic self of masculine energy taking over uh, an entire field. Ah, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. That is very beautiful. So we're we're now we're coming to I think we're talking about identification and sense of self. And we're talking about yes, we're living in male bodies and female bodies, and yet we're 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 all combining feminine and, and masculine energies. Um and we have been um acculturated to different you know to different parts and have been we've learned to emphasize one part more than another and we're now learning more about how to balance um these energies within each individual rather than kind of projecting this onto different physical um, body shapes and forms and so how does this ego identification um with our role differ between men and women and how does this impact on the language and the behavior and how we show up at the bedside such such an important question and as you know you know i write a lot about the divine feminine those are really what my books are about and and so, you know, my uh, my uh, background in the Eastern tradition is from the standpoint of Tantra. 
and it's really all about this you know uh, shiva and shakti which are the the masculine and the feminine but in this tradition and um you know everything that has form is actually shakti which is feminine and and shiva is pure awareness so there is no such thing as you know from from my tradition there is no such thing as a masculine um a thing where we say well aggression is masculine and compassion is feminine it's not like that because everything that has form and attribute is actually feminine and what is masculine is the container that holds it all which is pure awareness and so when and, and this is really important when it comes to this ego identification that you're talking about because ultimately you know um what my teacher has taught me is that we are ungendered consciousness in gendered bodies so that is ultimately our you know final identification but you know we kind of take on the attributes of being male or female from our learning and our upbringing in our family and in our culture and in our society and and kind of take on all of this from peers and from media and from everything on what this ideal woman or an ideal man should be so just as women are pressured to be a certain way men are also pressured to be a certain way you know you are men are uh, expected to be aggressive and to and to be go getters and to um you know man up and that is that's a whole lot of pressure on men as well and as dan was saying so beautifully it's you know if we want to look at the creative side which is um anything that is creative and because you know we we give this masculine and feminine terms because all of our experience and our way of describing something's come come from our human experience and in the human experience it is the woman who gives birth so the creative energy becomes feminine so everything that is creative um the ideas we have the different ventures that we have even this podcast and then having you know creative ideas all of this falls into the feminine category whereas you know the the organization the logical the how do we hold space for this creativity and how do we kind of make this all happen the linear kind of reasoning um is you could say it's masculine and both are required for success and it's not that women uh have more of this and then men have more of this everybody has both it's just what we are cultured to demonstrate you know and um a lot of it is actually tends to be egoic right uh when we say women should be more compassionate well th- is that your actual experience that women are more compassionate not my experience so um no such thing actually exists right we kind of put people into containers into boxes and say you be this way and i think that's where our fundamental problem comes from because what you're asking about egoic identity this is what actually holds us back as women in not only in medicine but in society as well because we are continuously clamoring for male attention and to be like men you know as dan was saying um we don't we kind of persist and then we say okay this is how i'm going to go about achieving and acquiring this 
instead of saying, I'm just going to be like creative and think outside the box and do medicine the way I want to do medicine, you know, bring in more of the art of medicine along with the science. Why not? There is no particular way of doing it. And, but, you know, unfortunately, what I see is that very, you know, there are many, many amazingly successful women who have not lost their essence of this femininity. On the other hand, there are a lot of women who are extremely aggressive and feel like there's room for only one at the top and will not encourage other women to come in. And um, so a lot of times it's not the men preventing the women, it's women preventing other women from succeeding. Well, you're you're clearly speaking from a lot of depth here. <laughs> that is <laughs> yeah. that is far beyond your own experience and um, a really highly aware observation of what your tradition, uh, if you like, has taught you through the lineages, <laughs> what has been passed to you through the lineages, and what you now observe and and it's really refreshing how you observe outside stereotype <laughs> you know like you, we have these kind of negative stereotypes and the positive stereotypes and it and it is really helpful at this point to see can we just really turn every stone <laughs> yeah. and and see what what are the assumptions so this, this to me seems to be a major obstacle is, is the assumptions that we hold, that we have kind of acquired as children and we're, not, we're just taking them for granted and they're too close to see. <laughs> and so it really takes a, a kind of a, a dedicated step and, and, and conscious process to, to unsee, unlearn, uncondition ourselves. And so this is, this is probably one of the highest requirements or highest arts that, that we can aspire to as, as humans, <laughs> is, is to live this life, to dedicate our life to this kind of awareness that is, that is unconditioned and to see how can we further ourselves in this, in this perspective every moment again and again and again. <laughs> um, so you have described already challenges on the way and all the obstacles, but when we think about the future, what would you say are the prime challenges for women looking to create change in the healthcare system and kind of capitalizing on what has been built so far, you know, kind of really moving into the next, into the next era? What might be radical changes that you might see. And I think these changes are happening already, to be honest. Um, you know, it is, it, is, it is women coming together, supporting each other, having men be part of that conversation and see. It's, see, what I have found in my career, um, which is quite male-dominated, is that it's not that the men don't want to support us. It's just that they're oblivious that there is, you know, a, a problem. And so 
and getting this awareness into, you know, the larger community of physicians so that there is an understanding. And then, you know, men are extremely supportive of women. All of my mentors have been male and they have been extremely supportive of my career. And so all we require is really for us to come together and realize that we can actually change the language, change the language in which we address ourselves and each other. For instance, stop calling everybody guys when there, there are women, right? Um, so changing that kind of a narrative within ourselves and within society, I think it's really important because that's what gets kind of distilled down into medicine. Yeah, and it is it is really deep. I mean, I just observed today we had a you know this is still holidays here in in Switzerland, and so my my father was uh, to visit us as a family, and so here was my eighty two year old father, and there is myself next generation, and then here is my son and my daughters, and it is it was amazing to observe. I just had a conversation with my wife Jessica about the power of language and as a developmental pediatrician she's really talking about the the narrative that we're creating and that children are creating and and what impact it has if we talk in different languages and so um it was really interesting so i was kind of in a heightened state of awareness about what words do we choose and i observed three generations choosing three different if you like sets of you know, syntax and, and semantics, okay? like different ways that we're building the sentences, so different narratives that are clearly going on, and pretty much all of us being pretty ignorant. You know, kind of, there were kind of three movies happening at the same time. <laughs> and so this just kind of really illustrates how today, in three alive generations, there are these different narratives going on. There's clearly a change happening, and that is thanks to incredible work and hard struggle of, of generations of women <laughs> raising this awareness. And, and it, it shows how deeply rooted this is and how, how strong this um, ignorance is and how, kind of how much we're, we're unconscious in this dream and not intending to do harm, but there you go. Um, so this is such a fundamental topic, and uh, I guess Dan, our our key role here is to is to keep learning and to keep unlearning, <laughs> and to see how we can increase our own awareness in this learning process, and how this conversation, how we can actually learn to embrace feminine characteristics more and dare to embrace feminine characteristics more and to learn uh, to live these characteristics more and and how that can play in a conversation between male and female bodies into a kind of feminine and masculine dance so <laughs> it would be wonderful to see how healthcare can actually be if you like a test bed and how healthcare can actually um, be, yeah, a kind of a, a use case where we learn how humans interact with each other in in very um, in very intense moments of life, 
as we are meeting both as physicians we're kind of finding ourselves in extreme moments of life and and our patients do obviously and so sometimes it is easy to learn at the extremes of life and maybe there's a responsibility of healthcare professionals to kind of lead the way and and to to kind of share the learnings so that there is a wider societal impact and the last words to you absolutely there's more to come on this subject obviously and you know as uh kavita so eloquently said with the shiva and shakti it's ultimately as as male energy just holding this space for this conversation and there's more to come and i think that you know if if what we could do is hold the container and be that for the change that is obviously necessary this is awareness to the change let's rediscuss and find out more about what that change can be brilliant we'll certainly uh, going to have more of this conversation so thanks a lot for being on this show today and i hope you enjoyed the chat with dan and kavita today and you can find more information at heartbasedmedicine.org. And I deeply appreciate if you could click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening and take care. We hope you can join us for the next podcast in our Heart of Healthcare series, when we'll be asking again, what specific issues and challenges do women encounter as healthcare professionals? If you like this series, you might also enjoy our accompanying book, Dare to Care, on Amazon. Join the Heart of Healthcare discussion at heartbasedmedicine.org where you'll find lots more interesting interviews, articles, and training materials. See you there. This has been a Heart-Based Medicine production. Thanks for listening.